Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, I chat to athletes, coaches, and industry professionals about their sporting journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Guests range from Olympians to the everyday lover of sport, but the message stays the same. There is so much more to sport than what meets the eye. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. I'd love to hear from you. Today, we are joined by the lovely Sarah Walsh. Sarah joined me a few weeks ago when she was in hotel quarantine just after the Tokyo Paralympic Games. Sarah's message is exactly what this podcast is about, and it was amazing to get to hear her story and the opportunities sport has given her. What I loved most about this chat is Sarah uses her sporting platform to give back to her community. Lifeline and Limbs for Life are two organisations that Sarah works with that make a huge difference in people's lives. You can find the details of both of these organisations in the show notes. Now let's get into this chat with Sarah. So Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your sport and how you got into it? So I am a Paralympic long jumper and I compete in the T64 classification, which is for below knee amputees. So I was born with a condition called fibula hemimelia, which essentially just means that when I was born, I was missing part of my leg below the knee on my right side. So I was only born with one bone below my knee and a small foot that didn't really form properly. Um, If you don't know too much about bones in the leg, you're supposed to have two bones below your knee and a foot with five toes. So I only had one, not all of my toes. So my parents made the decision to have my foot amputated when I was around about 18 months old and I've worn a prosthetic leg ever since then. Hands down, it's the best decision that my parents ever made. It's given me so many incredible opportunities, not only to travel the world and play sport, but also meet um, some incredible people and do some amazing things. Oh, wow. And I did a little bit of research and you were running within a week of the prosthetic being fitted. Is that correct? Or is that some news article that I got wrong? (laughs) No. So when I was a lot younger and after getting my first everyday prosthetic leg, um, pretty much put it on after my amputation and was up running about as little 18 month two-year-old girls do and then I was around about nine years old when I got my first running prosthetic leg so they're called blades and growing up my parents had always encouraged me to get out there and give every sport a go and never let having one leg stop me from doing anything and there definitely were some sports and activities that weren't for me and I just had to figure that out along the way and maybe sometimes I had to do them a little bit differently to every other kid but I was around about nine years old when I found athletics through school. It was just our school athletics carnival in year three. The year I was in was the year that you can go on to represent your school at the next level. And after competing against all my classmates and pretty much coming dead last by a long while, um, a teacher came up to me one day and said that I was off to the zone athletics carnival because it had a section for para athletes and she'd entered me in every event possible and of course I said yes I wanted to go it was a day off school and little did I know back then that by sending me I'd come home with four blue ribbons so first place which put us ahead of all of our um, other local schools on the medal tally that day so it was good for her to send me but also good for me because I got a day off school and absolutely fell in love with athletics that day I at the time I could barely run 100 meters let alone 200 meters 
not very coordinated. So long jump was a bit of a struggle back then and even gave shot put a crack too, but I'm not the strongest person um, in the upper body. So it was a bit of a challenge, but I just absolutely loved it. And as I say, the rest is history. Um, to about two years after that, I was getting quite a lot of pain when I was running and jumping because the leg I was wearing at the time wasn't designed for athletics and sport. It was really designed for getting you around every day from point A to B, just walking. And my mum called up the people that were making my prosthetic legs at the time and told them that I was in a lot of pain. And I was just after competing at an athletics carnival and running 100 metres and 200 metres on this day. And um, I could hardly walk around anymore. And the people that were making my legs said, well, the um, solution is pretty simple. If you want the pain to go away, you're going to have to stop running and jumping on that leg because it's not designed for that. And I'm not one that takes too kindly to being told that I can't do something. So didn't really listen to their advice and kept going. And a few weeks after that conversation, I was in the clinic for a routine leg checkup and I walked in and they had kindly gifted me with a prosthetic leg a blade that I'd only ever seen on TV for the Paralympics that the Paralympians use and put it on straight away. And that was me just running and jumping on this blade. And it made me take athletics a lot more seriously. I found myself a coach, joined an athletics club and knocked a fair chunk of time off my personal best in 100 and 200 and long jump back then. Oh, that's amazing. Incredible, incredible. And you made, was it your first Australian team in 2014? Um, yeah, so 2014, I was invited to represent Australia at a lead-up event to the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. It was the first time that I'd put on the green and gold, represented Australia, first time I competed indoors and first time representing Australia too. So it was a pretty incredible experience. And as a 15-year-old girl to represent Australia for the first time, it is pretty special and one of those moments that you never forget. All the hard work that you put into training and the commitment that I've put towards my athletics along the way it's all worthwhile for those moments and then I made my first Australian team um, in 2015. What team was that one? Was that a world um, champs? World championships in Doha in Qatar. Oh wow and what was that experience like? Was it amazing being able to you know travel internationally and compete? Yeah absolutely I think our Australian team especially our athletics team are quite close and we're all really good friends so it's amazing to be able to be a part of a team with some of your best friends and not only represent Australia yourself but also watch people who are really close to you put on the green and gold and live out their dreams and do the best that they can on the world stage so it is such a special experience being a part of any Australian team and every time I do put on the green and gold and do that it is something that I never take for granted and something I'm very grateful for. Oh that's amazing and you mentioned before that the moment you kind of fell in love with athletics was you know when you were nine and you got involved that way and yes it caused you a little bit of pain and then you got gifted that prosthetic leg which is amazing like the blade was there a moment that you were kind of like I, I want to take this really seriously and go to the Paralympics like was that ever a goal? Yeah absolutely I remember watching the Beijing Paralympics on the TV back in 2008 as a 10 year old girl so just after I started athletics and sitting on the couch at home and just I knew then that when I grew up I wanted to be a Paralympian I wanted to put on the green and gold and represent Australia but I had no idea what sport that would be in let alone what sport I would be good at back then I still wasn't really overly amazing and athletic at athletics and was just doing it for fun so any sport that I was doing growing up I thought maybe I could go to the Paralympics for that but once I got the blade I kind of knew that athletics was what 
I wanted to pursue and I kind of always thought that I'd be a sprinter so running 100 and 200 meters and it was when I was invited to compete in 2014 in Glasgow it was in the long jump and I never really thought that I'd be a long jumper so it kind of took me by surprise but doing that made me realize that one long jump was my favorite event to do out of them all and if I wanted to be successful and continue to represent Australia long jump was what I had the best chance in and as they say worked out pretty well for me yeah definitely and what was it about long jump was it the aspect of you know you do get that little sprint up before you jump or what was it about long jump that you liked I think for me every jump in long jumps a new chance to improve and be better than the one before and I like how it's so technical and there's so many different components to it I guess running in a straight line can be a little bit boring and for me, I'm not overly fast over 100 metres, whereas 30 metres, if that was event, it would, an event, it would probably be what I'd be best at. But I just love the feeling of running as fast as you can and then flying through the air. You don't really get that feeling doing too many other things and it's just the best. Yes, and you do really fly through the air. Like, like your PB is over five metres and I think if I were to do it, I'd maybe go not even one metre. So it's incredible that you actually do fly through the air. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so technical, but at the same time, when you really nail a good jump, you can feel how incredible it feels and how amazing it is. And I think when you're at training, you're constantly thinking about all these different components and how to perfect every part of the long jump. But when you do hit them, it is such an incredible feeling where it just feels like you're flying and you're not really thinking about anything else, only really running and then jumping. And then all of a sudden you end up in the sandpit covered in sand. (laughs) Yes, and speaking of the sandpit, the sandpit at Tokyo was a little bit uh, darker than usual. Was that uh, a surprise? Like I know watching it on the TV, we were all like, oh, that's a bit darker than the usual sandpit. Yeah, I was lucky that I competed in Japan in 2019 for the Japanese nationals. So I had a fair idea that the sand colour was slightly different (laughs) to the nice white sand that we get here in Australia. But I do have to say it's some of the softest sand that I've jumped in. Although I was absolutely covered in it every time I got out of the pit, it was quite soft. Oh, that's good. That's well worth it then looking a little bit uh, like muddy out. It looks a little bit muddy, but (laughs) well worth it if if it's a softer landing. Yeah. Yeah. There was the training track that we were training at for the Paralympics in Tokyo. You'd come out of that and you'd be left with like a brown tinge on you even after you wiped the sand off. So it just looked like I had a really bad fake hand until I got in the shower and washed it all off but it's a pricey pay to do long jump yes yeah it's a little bit sandy so your first Paralympics was Rio 2016 so we talked a little bit before about the difference between them did you find it was a really exciting experience being able to go to your first Paralympics Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something incredibly special about a Paralympic Games, even compared to a world championships. Like you're surrounded by so many incredible people with a disability. And I think to be a part of that and be a part of the Paralympic Games is something that I dreamed of when I was a little kid. So then to be able to go to Rio and compete at a Paralympic Games was truly incredible and still something that I find so hard to put into words because this little girl that sat on a couch in 2008 her dreams finally came true in Rio and she got to put on the green and gold and run down the runway and throw herself into a sandpit and now I get to call myself a Paralympian for the rest of my life because of that experience and it's something that I'm so incredibly proud to be a Paralympian 
Yeah, and it's something that you should definitely be proud of. And you came sixth in Rio and you got an oceanic record. So like, what did that moment feel like as well? Like not only did you get to represent your country and do us all proud, but you like represented our, you know, our region as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's something really special. And I remember after competition, I would have liked to jump a little bit further. And what I'd been doing in training before we got to the games, I was jumping a lot further than that in training, but it is pretty hard to put it all together on the day. And I remember saying to my coach at the time, he was trying to tell me all the things that I did good um, in my jumping technique. And I just kind of turned to him and I said, look, I don't really care what you have to say. I don't care how far I jumped today, I just became a Paralympian and that means more to me than any record or distance or medal could. And I still stand by that because to put on the green and gold and represent Australia, it does trump any distance or any measurement in the sand. Yeah, exactly. And you you find that a lot of Olympic and Paralympic performances aren't maybe the distance or the speed of world champs or something else like that's not usually where the world records come out of so it is exactly what you said representing a country and putting on the green and gold at that highest level yeah absolutely I think anything can happen on a day of a Paralympics or a world championships you train for four years or this time around five years and on the one day at that one moment that you compete you have to put everything together and hope that it pays off and sometimes it doesn't and Everyone at home can be guilty and I've been guilty of it before where you sit back and judge why haven't they jumped a personal best or why haven't they swum the fastest time. But at the end of the day, we're also there for the experience and to come that far and do what we do, it is pretty special and unique and we're probably the hardest people on ourselves when things don't go our way and when we don't perform how we want to perform. So I think we're the hardest critics on ourselves but also... At the same time, we want to be there and enjoy the moment and have the best time possible. And that's kind of how I took Tokyo this year as well. After jumping, I didn't really want to be disappointed in what I jumped because I definitely knew I could have jumped a lot further. But I just wanted to enjoy the moment because it's not something that you get to do every day, be out in the stadium at a Paralympic Games. So it was just about enjoying the moment and soaking it up. Yeah, definitely. And especially like after the 18 months, almost two years that we've had like just getting to the games is something to be so proud of. Like every single athlete out there representing our country. Like I was just so proud of them. I didn't really care like how they placed or, you know, if they got a PB or not, like obviously I was happy for them when they did, but I was just happy that they, you know, made it to that starting point. And I think that's something. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like if you had have asked me six months ago, where the game's going ahead, I still would have told you no. And like, it blows my mind how they actually went ahead and in the safest and most incredible way possible. Yeah, they were different to Rio and definitely different to past games, but they were unique in their own special way. And I know that every athlete and every team member and staff member was so incredibly grateful for the Japanese for putting them on. And I think after what everyone around the world has been through the past 18 months, sport really has the power to bring people together and unite everyone I think that's what both the Olympics and Paralympics did this year. People just wanted something to watch and take their mind off all the crappy stuff that's going on around the world and watching someone run down a runway and throw themselves into a sandpit did that. And as much as like in that moment, I'm there to do the best that I can. I knew back home that there were so many people supporting me and watching me and that makes it all really special and worthwhile too. Yes, exactly what you just said. Like, 
we all kind of needed something. And I know the mood before all the beautiful sport that's, you know, been showing our screens for the last month and six weeks to a month, like the mood was really somber, like, especially I'm from Victoria. So like, especially down here, we were kind of like, oh, like lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. But even being in lockdown, like whilst all this amazing sport was happening, like it actually didn't not matter too much, but like it didn't make it so bad. Like I was able to go, oh, like I'm watching this, I'm watching this, like there's some kind of schedule you could stick to. So yeah, like the work that you guys put in, like, yes, for yourselves, but also like for us, like you gave us so much hope and so much excitement and so much joy. And yeah, like, I just like to thank you for that. Well, I think for us, like we go out there to do our best and we want to compete to the best that we can, but sport is also more than being competitive and winning medals. It's about making people at home happy and having something that can unite everyone in sport has the power to do that. And I'm incredibly proud to be a part of a movement that does that. And you wouldn't think that doing long jump has the power to do that, but I'm fully aware that it does. And it's pretty incredible to know that for two weeks, Paralympic athletes brought a little bit of hope and a little bit of life and fun into the living rooms of people all around the world. Yeah, definitely. And you've just segued perfectly into our next question. So has there been a benefit that sports provided you that's transferred over to other avenues of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Sport not only gave me the opportunity to show that despite having one leg, I could still get out there and do everything that anyone else could. Yeah, may not be as good as some things as other people, or I might do it a little bit differently, but having one leg or a disability isn't going to stop you from doing what you love and what you're passionate about. And I've learned so much through sport and it's given me so many incredible opportunities to tell my story. And if my story can help one person or something that I've been through in my life can help one person get through the struggles that they're going through or the challenges that they're facing, like it's pretty incredible to know that you have the power to change someone's life through sport. Yes, definitely. And I think that's the thing that kind of, I don't want to say conceived this podcast, that uh, (laughs) inspired this podcast is the fact that sport is so much more than, like you said before, the performance. It's all of those benefits that come alongside being involved and you don't even have to do it at the highest level. You just have to participate in some way, even if you're like the coach or the team physio or the team manager, like there's so many benefits being involved in sport has. And Everyone has their own versions of what they see as important, what has helped them through a certain life stage. But that's the thing about sport is it's so like multidimensional, like you can take what you need and the rest happens as well, but it just depends on what you need. Yeah, absolutely. Some of like my best and favorite memories from sport don't necessarily happen out on the sporting field. They're with the people who I'm surrounded by every day, training, competing the incredible people that I've met from around the world those moments are more special than sometimes the competition itself and they're the things that you kind of hold dear to you because at the end of the day your competition for long jump lasts six jumps and sometimes you don't really remember every jump once you finish because it's just been a whirlwind and you're so focused and in the moment but then after that when you get to meet these people and get to spend time with people who are really close to you, that is so special and incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's, that makes me like well up a little bit. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Is there a lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd want to share either 
maybe to your past self or to someone who's up and coming? I think it's just about finding something that you're passionate about and it doesn't necessarily have to be sport. I know that sport and elite sport definitely isn't for everyone and it's not something that a lot of people are interested in doing and I tried many sports when I was younger and I can tell you that I'm not very good at a lot of them and I have no interest in playing a lot of other sports but sport has given me so many incredible opportunities in life and that's what I'm passionate about long jump and long jump has given me so many incredible opportunities and when I get to put on the green and gold and create those memories and have those moments it's so special and at the end of the day I'm just doing something that I love and having the best time and having lots of fun and everyone has that opportunity to do that in their life whether it is through sport or some creative arts or work or through family and friends that opportunity is there for everyone so it's just about finding something that you're passionate about not letting people tell you that you can't do it and just enjoying the moment. Yes. Oh my gosh. I like that so much because like, like you said, you've tried different sports and you just had to find the one that, you know, really lit up your heart and went, yes, this is for me. This is where I get my joy. And now look at the incredible things that you're doing, but you're also inspiring others because you're following your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has a dream or a goal that they want to achieve and when I set my goal back as a 10-year-old kid to go to the Paralympics, people probably thought I was a little bit crazy and insane. Like I still wanted to be a princess back then. <laughs> and so many kids, even the past six weeks, have probably sat on their couches at home and told their parents that they want to be an Olympian or a Paralympian when they grow up. And you know what? The majority of them probably won't become Olympians or Paralympians, but there'll be those one or two that do but the rest of them will find something else that they're passionate about and something that they really enjoy doing and they just have to follow their dreams for that because if you put in a lot of hard work eventually you can make your dreams a reality yes yes exactly and it's amazing that you've been able to been able to manifest it from when you were 10 and you're doing it now you mentioned other sports now you did a little bit of wheelchair basketball is that right yeah, a while back ago, I played wheelchair basketball. It was kind of nice to play a team sport, although athletics is an individual sport. I do have a big team around me, but to rely on other team members and play as a team is pretty special. But these days, it's definitely all just athletics. And <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. I couldn't imagine. Like They're kind of polar opposite sports at the moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've got long jump and then you've got basketball yeah completely opposite <laughs> long jump is definitely more my alley and style of doing things <laughs> and you know what you can still be a princess while you do long jump if you if you want to yeah I've ticked one box of becoming a Paralympian the dream of becoming a princess is still a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find a, a prince for you <laughs> So have you been involved in a project where sport's been used as a tool to develop the community? Um, yeah, I work closely with Lifeline Canberra as an ambassador and Limbs for Life, which is an organisation that supports people who have either had limb loss or limb difference. And both of them are heavily prominent organisations within not only the Canberra community, but in the community throughout Australia and for Lifeline now more than ever people need to and want to reach out and find a connection with someone else. And we've all been through our own challenges and our own things in the past 18 months. And Lifeline has been there for everyone around Australia through those moments. And it's such 
an incredible organisation, the one in Canberra with some amazing people who absolutely love to bits and I'm so proud to be able to work with them and help share the message of Lifeline and share that, you know, what it is okay to reach out and ask for help. And I think if one person can call Lifeline on 13, 11, 14 in their time of need or struggle and the person on the phone can pick up and help them, like, I feel like what I can do by sharing their message is all worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. And you've just mentioned the number, so we'll put it in the show notes as well. But organisations like that are so important. And I know personally I've reached out to some of them in in times in the past and they've been so helpful to just get you through that tough time and then get, you know help find you the support that you need so they're certainly important in everyday life but also more so now like half the country is in a lockdown we're all experiencing some sort of mental not a crisis but mental struggles so yeah certainly amazing that you're working with them and that you're able to share their message yeah absolutely <laughs> Yeah, Lifeline, they've been there for everyone. And I know some people have such an incredible family and friend support network, but would rather reach out to a stranger and tell them their stories and struggles and Lifeline are only a phone call or a Just jumping in here as we had a fire alarm test interrupt our chat, but Sarah was in the middle of saying that Lifeline are only a phone call or text away if anyone needs to reach out. Again, you can find details in the show notes. What's the work that you do with Limbs for Life? Uh, So Limbs for Life is an organisation that help um, people with limb loss or limb difference and I've been involved with them since around about 2006 and they gave me the opportunity not only to share my story but also help families who have gone through pretty similar circumstances or situations to what my family had and back when I lost my leg, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and social media as a whole wasn't a thing at all so my parents didn't have the support network that people have today where you can send someone a message on the other side of the world who has the same limb um, difference condition as you and see how they're going and see how they got through things so through limbs for life they gave me that opportunity to be able to help other families and let them know that at the end of the day it's going to be okay like you can survive without a few toes and a foot and still live your life how you want to do it and create the life that you want to live yeah and I think that's an amazing message and you're an amazing example of that and to be able to give back to a community like you said that's across the world like it's incredible yeah absolutely I've been in touch with families from the UK to families throughout the world whose kids have gone through something pretty similar or were born pretty similar to the way that I was and to be able to now see them grow up and see them achieve so many incredible things in their life it's pretty special knowing that you played a small part in just being able to tell their parents or tell them that things are going to be okay yeah and it's so important and I guess that you know ties in with your work with Lifeline as well like it's all about getting people through hardships and you know reassuring them that it's going to be okay and they can get through it Yeah, absolutely. Like there's no stigma or there shouldn't be a stigma around saying I'm not okay and I need help and Lifeline are there for moments like that and very lucky and grateful to be a part of an organisation like that. And it's also taught me so much about mental health and what other people go through in their life because some people have such amazing, incredible stories of overcoming things and when I look at it from the perspective of my life, I had my foot amputated when I was a kid. 
I don't remember it and I don't see it as something that I've really had to overcome or this big hardship that I've faced in my life and to see other people who have really had to go through a lot in their life and come out the other side and be incredible people and go on to do amazing things with their life that's pretty special yeah definitely and in saying that like people going on to do amazing things where do you see the future of sport I really hope that sport becomes inclusive more than what it is now even looking at the Paralympics and Olympic Games this year it was probably the first time that the Australian public had really tuned into the Paralympics and got behind us as athletes and there's still that gap between Olympics and Paralympics and being seen as equal and my hope is just that one day we are considered equal that we're not just the people with a disability who rock up two weeks after the Olympics and just have a little run around the track and have a bit of fun that we are elite athletes who work just as hard as our Olympic counterparts and do exactly the same thing as what they do two weeks later and that our stories are so incredible and each one of us has had a story or something that they've had to overcome in their life to get to the point of representing their country and when they step on the start line or step out onto the track they want to do not only their country proud but themselves and their families and I think for something like that to be a part of the Paralympic movement at the moment it is incredibly special because we are taking steps in the right way to become this incredible sporting event which we are. Yeah and there was a major milestone reached uh, last week in terms of the financial recognition in terms of the medals between the Olympians and the Paralympians. Like I know ScoMo did a did a little bit of a, not a backflip, but he did say that he is going to give equal recognition between the both. And I think like that is something that athletes like Ali Cole have been working for for years. And the fact that, you know, it should have happened years ago, but it's happened now. And that's something that's going in the right direction. And it's really exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's baby steps are going to get us to the bigger picture at the end of the day. And I think it's definitely made the public more aware that there is this big gap between Olympic and Paralympic sports. And it really shouldn't be that way. It's not that long when you look at it in the scheme of things until Australia is hosting both an Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2032. And I think by that point, we need to be two equal parties, both the Olympics and the Paralympics need to be equal and the public and people should be supporting them as an equal, not as two separate sporting events or sporting matches. And I understand that they're held different times and at different times, but the logistics is that we can't have Paralympics and Olympics incorporated as to one big sporting event because I guarantee people will be sick of watching you do need that two-week break in the middle to refresh but I think it's exciting knowing that things are getting better and we're slowly becoming more equal to our Olympic counterparts and I can't wait to see what the future is for Paralympic sport yeah definitely and I was gonna ask like would it be better if we kind of not combined them but like didn't have that two-week break or but I guess you said yeah like there's only so much sport you can watch and two weeks is probably enough and you do need a little bit of a time to miss it before you can tune back in (laughs) yeah absolutely not only that but just the logistics of putting on an Olympic Games and then a Paralympic Games like the Olympic Village is already at full capacity and you want to add a few more thousand Paralympic athletes into that as well 
it'll be a pretty hectic and pretty busy place, the village. But I think at the moment, I quite love being a Paralympian and having our own two-week sporting event where we get to show the world what we can do. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that, you know, I guess London was probably the the change maker. Like, I think a slogan was like the Olympics with the warm up. And it really, <laughs> if that's kind of stuck around, and I think that's been a little bit of a change in the view of Paralympic sport and the fact that it it is something to tune into. And I've loved watching it the last few weeks and, you know, seeing the amazing stories and the amazing interviews after the the races I know there was a swimmer that didn't actually know that she'd she'd won a medal because she couldn't see the scoreboard so like things like that like it's the emotion is still there and it's still amazing to watch yeah absolutely the Olympics will always be the warm-up event for us it's a very good test event you can dust out all the cobwebs and I think coming into Tokyo we knew like we're pretty safe there wasn't too much COVID in the village with the Olympics so the Paralympics should have been pretty safe too. So it's pretty ideal for things like that. But it, the Paralympians have such incredible stories. And when they step out onto the track or out onto the swimming pool, they're there just to do the best that they can. And even for me watching as a Paralympian, you still get emotional and overwhelmed when you see people who have had such a hard life and have had to go through so much and step out onto the track and do some incredible things like it's something that will never not stop pulling on my heartstrings because I know how hard I've worked to get to the Paralympic Games and to think about everything that they've gone through. Like it is really incredible and special. Yeah, and thank you for all the work you do in terms of your stuff with Lifeline and the Limbs for Life. Like that's an amazing thing that you're doing for the community and being able to help other people. Like through, you've got a sporting platform, but being able to give back is something that, you know, I'm all about. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I guess sport has opened the door for those opportunities. And if it's something that you're passionate about and you've got a platform, use it to the best that you can and use it to support and spread things that are important to you because mental health and limb loss and limb difference are such incredibly important things in my life. And if you can just help one person or support one person along the way, it's pretty special. Yeah, and I'll be cheering you on uh, uh, to Birmingham next year and onwards from there, like Paris a few years later. So I'll definitely be cheering you on. And thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.